Hey guys, welcome. And all our online family, welcome too. Um, I wanted to open with uh, probably the absolute most necessary um, passage of scripture for our hearts to be reminded right now. It comes from uh, Psalm 23. <laughs> Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we open this week, not just here in our community, but all across our nation and around the world, we find ourselves being shaken. And we need the constant reminder that even when we walk through uncertainty and even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that those in Christ have a constant companion that never leaves them nor forsakes them. When so much of our circumstances are a little bit wild right now, we should settle in on that truth and let it comfort our hearts that we have a helper, we have an advocate, a mediator, or somebody who's always with us. Before we turn to a time of singing, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, thank you that you are with us and you never leave nor forsake us. Thank, uh, thank you that when we come to these moments where it seems like we don't know what to do, that you lead us to be creative and uh, you lead us to be loving and you lead us to worship. And right now, Father, that's what we need, creative acts of love and constant acts of worship. So tonight as we gather in this first time in ever kind of way, we gather in parking lots and living rooms, as we gather live here on the hilltop and through the power of the internet, bind our hearts to yours and unify us in Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. You know, people often feel uh, really comfortable singing in a couple private places. They feel comfortable singing in the shower, and they feel comfortable singing in their cars. So uh, we're going to sing together. And um, hopefully you have the words in your bulletin. And if you don't, uh, follow along. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. It's all creation all creation groaning it is is a new creation coming it is is the glory 
is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst. It is. It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. We'll ask ourselves the question, is anyone worthy? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slain. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Father truly love us? Your answer is He does. And does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. He does. And does Jesus, and does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us. Sing, he does. He does. Sing, is anyone worthy? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah
the all-sufficient sacrifice so freely given but such a price There is power in the name of Jesus. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. So let's consider for a minute. What is the Lord inviting you to be free from? Is it free from doubt? Is it free from fear? Is it free from a lack of faith? Is it free from anxiety? Is it free from a particular habit? Is it free from sin? Is it free from hopelessness? What is He setting you free from? There's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. chain, break every chain, break every chain. You know, there is a freedom to trust Jesus, and there's a freedom to proclaim His power. We don't have any power. We don't have any authority, but Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so we don't stand on our record. Our record is garbage. We stand on Jesus' record and his strength of saying all authority. These are Jesus' words commissioning us to share good news. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and may Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All authority. been given to me, go therefore and may 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And behold, I am with you always. He has built for me in glory. 
heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day I'll sing a bit the song of victory pray together. Jesus, we know you came for the brokenhearted. You came to heal the sick. You came to befriend the lonely. You came to set free the captive. You came to give hope to the fearful, and your mission has not changed. Your sacrifice, your death in our place has given us hope. Your resurrection power has given us life and your righteousness has given us access to eternity with the father oh jesus what will we fear if you are for us lord we pray that our hearts will be open to receiving from you in jesus name amen you are seated <laughs> you have your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter number 2. If you don't have your Bibles, look in page number 8. You'll find a note space there. You'll also find the passage. You know, it seems like this would be the time to bring out some doom and gloom message or, or maybe even the opposite, a don't have doom and gloom message. But I'm convinced in my heart this is the time to have a stay the course message. Across a couple thousand years now, we've seen more than one pandemic strike our globe. We've even seen world wars. And yet God has never in that entire time changed the mission of the church. Whether it's a world gripped in violence or a world gripped in fear, to be a personal worshiper and to be a fruitful disciple, to follow the command and the great commission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ remains the mission of the church. And it seems counterintuitive to say, stay the course. It seems like somebody should be saying, panic or don't panic. Panic because of this or don't panic because of this pandemic. I'm saying, stay the course. Stay the course. Continue to walk with Jesus. Continue to seek to bear fruit for his glory in your own good. Continue to seek to serve your neighbor. And some of us are learning right now that serving our neighbor means keeping a good distance away from them. That's a new way to serve. Learning to love from afar. 
And some of us are finding creative ways to serve our neighbors. It'll sound funny, but I never imagined that I'd spend a day delivering toilet paper and this would be the work of a pastor. But it has been. We're finding creative ways to serve the Lord, stay the course, be a disciple. As we wrap up this Fruitful Disciple series, you'll know we've talked about a lot. We've talked about how being a fruitful disciple is about cultivating and, and taking advantage of our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationships with others. We've learned that being a fruitful disciple chiefly is about Christ-likeness. We've learned that our calling as fruitful disciples is to be an ambassador where we represent the king and his kingdom in everything we do all day, every day. We've learned that being a fruitful disciple in this world, not maybe, but will lead to suffering. We will suffer. We've learned that being a fruitful disciple means in the hand of God, we're spent like coins for his good pleasure. We've learned that God gives us influence and he expects us to capitalize on that influence as fruitful disciples. And we've learned that this world is full of danger and probably the cheapest one we face is the possibility of moral failure in the face of difficult circumstances. We've learned that what God really wants us to do is to live a life that mirrors Jesus, that reflects him from without and from within. And we've learned that he wants us to spend our time wisely and the chiefest wisdom is to make disciples. We've learned that we are to be a people of action. So tonight I want to look at Titus, one of my favorite passages, and wrap up this session by challenging us with a question. Are you a person of biblical hope and eager expectation? Are you a person of biblical hope and eager expectation? Reading from Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse number 11, the Bible says, For by the grace of God, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God, great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Father, as we open your word, give us understanding. Make it move beyond the ideas of literature and bring it into the action of life. We want to treasure you because we've discovered you're the treasure of the universe. But we admit our fearfulness, our confusion, our concerns, our worries often captivate us and we begin to treasure other things. Rescue us, recapture us, captivate us anew so that we see you for who you are and treasure you in all things. In Jesus I pray, amen. Two questions and a statement in between. Question number one, when I think about Titus chapter number two, verses 11 through 14 is simple. What is our hope. Sometimes you have to say what something is not before you can begin to say what something is. Let me tell you what our hope is not. Our hope is not wishful thinking. Like right now, someone might say, do you think it's going to rain? I hope not. It's not that. It's not that thing. Do you, do you think your team is going to win this weekend? I hope so. I've already got the answer. Nobody's team is going to win this weekend. Nobody's team is playing. 
Or sometimes you think, do you think everything's going to be okay? And we say, I hope so. We use that word a lot like wishful thinking. Or, or sometimes we use it like a likely possibility. Somebody might say, somebody might say, you know, do you think such and such will happen? And we'll say, we can only hope so. That's that sort of hope that's not biblical hope. This passage tells us what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is the expectation of the return of Jesus, the glorious appearing again of the Messiah. Biblical hope is knowing that the work isn't done and he's not gonna quit until the work is done and he's gonna come back and finish the work. That's biblical hope. In these days of confusion, as fruitful disciples, many of us find our hearts being challenged because we've been setting our hopes in our 401k. And if we set our hopes in that, we find our hopes diminishing. We've been setting our hopes in grocery or food source, uh, food source security, and we've been discovering every time you go to the store, you're upset. We've been setting our hopes in our health, and suddenly... Every person on the face of the planet stands on the precipice and we find out just how precious, tender, and fragile life really is. The Christian is called, the fruitful disciple is called to have a hope that supersedes all of these lesser hopes. Is there anything wrong with wanting to have good health? No. Is there anything wrong with wanting to plan wisely for the future and to see your investments pay off? No. Is there anything wrong with wanting to feel like you live in a society that has a stable infrastructure? No. But is there something wrong with ultimately setting your hopes on those things? Yes. Let me tell you why. Because everybody's life comes to an end and you won't need a 401k. You won't need a grocery store. And you'll have a new health or a new death. And you'll experience those forever. Our hope cannot be in things that will fade, for when they fade, our hopes are not just dashed, but crushed. Our hopes must be, our hope must be in the Lord. Somebody say amen, church. And if your hope, and if your hope is not in the Lord, then when he comes back, think about it, church. If your hope's not in the Lord and he comes back and he says, hey, I'm your prize, we'll be mighty disappointed. So this passage tells us the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, and it's doing some stuff. It's, it's training us, and it's making us wait, and it's teaching us things. But what are we doing? We're waiting for the blessed hope. And it tells you exactly what that blessed hope is. That blessed hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're not holding our hopes out that everyone's going to be okay. We're holding our hope out that Jesus is coming back. We must speak in present tense terms. Do we want to see COVID-19 conquered? Yes. Let the people say amen. Just like we've been begging to see cancer conquered and heart disease conquered and raggedy knees conquered. Do we want to see everyone have food security? Yes. We long for those things. 
Some of you guys will remember last spring when we joined with another congregation and packed thousands of meals in a morning because we want to see people eat. Do we want to see people living lives of financial security? You bet we do. But if those things are our anchor, then in the day of hunger, we sink. In the day of sickness, we sink. In the day of poverty, we sink. But if our hope is on the eternal reality of a returning king, we wait, we worship, and we work. Let these days challenge your heart. Let them put you to the inventory. What do you hope in? Secondly, a statement. A fruitful disciple, among all the things we've talked about, a fruitful disciple understands what it means to be between the appearing of grace and the appearing of glory. Do you notice that's what the Apostle Paul says to Pastor Titus? He says, hey man, you're here between two things. You're between, you're between the first appearing, which was grace. The way of salvation was open for any who would repent of trusting anything but Jesus and come to God through Jesus. That door has been opened. The, the way of grace was open to us when the Lord Jesus appears. But there's a second appearing, the appearing of glory. And we understand that between these appearings, God is doing a great work. Where he has started the work of salvation with the appearing of grace, he will finish that work of salvation in the appearing of glory. Now, what do we do in the meantime? All across uh, history, especially Christian history, people have had all kinds of responses to this. Some people... Some people have holed up in small communities and said, we're just going to do nothing until he comes back. Some people have tried to find those sort of works that would convince Jesus to come back. And some people have went on living like he's never coming back. But here in Titus, we find some marching orders for what to do between these two great appearances. It says very clearly, between these appearances, what is God wanting us to do? He is training us. Training us to do what? To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. He's training us to get rid of the things that do not agree with his nature and to embrace the things that do. Renounce ungodliness, renounce worldly passions, and then to embrace and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives right now. Not only that, but he is warning us to live. He tells us right here in the passage, that we're to live in this present age. He's wanting us to live for him. A fruitful disciple says, my life matters. My life counts. My life is making a difference in the world. My life brings glory to God. My life brings good to the community. He's wanting us to live in this present age, to live the life of Jesus. He's also wanting us to wait. You know, recently, um, a parent messaged me on Facebook and they said uh, our daughter's turning seven and she's only been asking for this one thing and she can't do that one thing now because they're closed because of the pandemic and uh, she's freaking out well when you're seven and you got your heart set on one birthday wish and you can't get it it's tough to handle it's tough for your heart to know what to do with that 
it's tough when you're seven to deal with it. The parents say, what do I do? What do I do? And I said, you teach them about waiting. And they says, I've told them we have to wait. I said, you teach them about waiting. Tell them the areas and the way you've waited. And I said, uh, for example, for example, are you over your head in debt? And they said, honestly, yes. I said, oh, you haven't learned waiting either. You're gonna to have to learn waiting. You're gonna to have to teach your child waiting. I'm telling you there's a prize coming for the church, for the, for the fruitful disciple who is living and laboring right now. There's a prize coming and we've gotta learn how to wait and we've gotta learn how to wait with grace, to wait with hope, to wait with expectation and to wait with worship. The scripture tells us plainly that in between these two appearings that we are learning to wait. We're waiting for the blessed hope. And then don't take any shortcuts in the process. I'll never forget, I took a girl on a date one time. And she does the thing that every boy hates for them to do. They bring you into the house, set you on the couch in front of their father, and they go finish getting dressed or whatever they do. And the dad begins to talk to me, and he says, you know, I want you to be a nice man to my daughter. I said, oh man, I plan on it. He says, because she's waiting for a great guy. And I can tell you're not it. <laughs> it sort of dimmed the hopes of the date, but it sort of set the expectations. He was telling me he's not going to settle for me, for her. I, he wasn't going to settle on me. And he was going to urge her not to settle. I'm telling you, friends, one of the biggest things we do is not settle on the things the world offers while we wait for the return of the king. And lastly, between these appearings, do you know what the Bible says we should be doing? We should be people who are zealous, zealous for good works, zealous. The greatest work of a fruitful disciple is sharing the gospel, making disciples, strengthening uh, disciples, making new disciples. That's the greatest work. And everywhere we see something crooked, we ought to want to straight. Everywhere we see something broken, we ought to want to see it made whole. A fruitful disciple is zealous for every good thing. And we have to find out what's good. What does God call good and go after it? So lastly tonight, let me close with a question. Do you live in eager expectation? If you happen to have your Bible with you, flip over to Hebrews chapter number 9 real quick. It'd be really great. This is one of these verses you should mark, highlight, underline, put a bookmark near. This is this is one of these verses you don't want to you don't want to miss. Hebrews chapter number nine. Actually, it's a couple verses. Y'all have to forgive me. The wind is really getting me with my Bible. Pick it up at verse number twenty-seven. You ready? Hebrews nine twenty-seven. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. You hear that? This is the scripture standing in agreement together. He's going to appear a second time. Not to deal with sin when he appears a second time. Not to deal with sin, church. Somebody say amen. But to do what, church? Say it out loud. 
Say it out loud at home. To save. Save who? Those who are eagerly waiting for him. Do you see this? Do you see this church? He's coming back and he expects his people to live in eager expectation. Absolutely, there are things that make us afraid. Absolutely, there are things that confuse us. But the dominant posture of a believer is to live in eager expectation of the return of Jesus. And that's our hope. That's our final and full hope. And while, we, while we're waiting, we labor, zealous for good works. We worship. We, we receive. Uh oh. Wow. Hey guys, I'm up close. We receive the training of the Lord. So let me close how I open. Stay the course. Stay the course. Seek to be a fruitful disciple, even if your entire ministry right now is inside your house. Minister to the Lord. Minister to those around you. I'm going to pray, and Andrew's going to lead us in one more song. And as he comes, and let me go ahead and give some instruction. As soon as we sing this song, we're going to turn you over to the instructions on page number two. And you're going to follow those instructions, and you're going to enjoy some time of reflecting uh, with a responsive reading, and then um, walking the, through a passage together and enjoying the Lord's Supper. Be careful to take prayer requests from one another, and be careful later on to share them with the entire body. Um, more important than ever, in our homes, in our small circles, for those of you who have to go to work, as we go out into the community to get groceries and things, some of our best service will be in loving people well from a distance. Some of our best service will be rushing in um, when, when somebody really needs us. So don't give up on being a fruitful disciple. Stay the course. He's come and he's coming back. Let's pray. Father, as we sing together, as we sing together from so many different places, indeed bind our hearts in Christian love. Thank you for an opportunity to gather in our living rooms and in our vehicles in this parking lot. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of a beautiful day and the opportunity to keep on pressing on when so much tells us to lay down and quit. Help us to stay the course. In Jesus, I pray. Amen.